to this is Cruise Radio Rewind. Real reviews from real cruisers. Welcome to Cruise Radio Rewind, answering some of your listener questions on this week's episode. My name is Doug Parker. Happy to have you here, and thank you for making us a part of your day. We have Sherry Laskin dropping by to answer a couple of questions. Also, Barbara Foster and everyone's favorite staff writer, Richard Sims, will be here later on in the program as well. Which takes us to Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com to answer the first set of questions. Happy weekend, Sherry. Hey, Doug. I hope your weekend is going well, too. I have three listener questions here for you. The first one comes from Michelle. I have two canceled cruises with Carnival Cruise Line with a total of $1,200 onboard credit and two future cruise credits. Can I split the future cruise credits and onboard credits between various cruises? The latest word that I have from Carnival is that onboard credits are not combinable, which answers one of your questions. And for example, if your November 2020 cruise gets canceled and Carnival issues a 100% future cruise credit and the $600 onboard credit, you can only use one onboard credit for your next cruise. You can't combine those to be $1,200. Um, and also, um, Actually, we just checked and you're not able for the future cruise credit. It can only be applied to one cruise. So, for example, if your future credit was I'm just picking these numbers out was a thousand dollars and you found a cruise you wanted to take for seven hundred and fifty, that remaining two fifty could not be applied to a second cruise. It all has to go on one. So, you know, it's like apples and apples. Um, so I hope that helps, uh, you know, it'd be nice if you could do that, but you can't. So unfortunately it's one future cruise credit per sailing with Carnival. Royal Caribbean does let you split it up between two, two or three different sailings, but just one at Carnival. The next question comes from Debbie. I had two people back out of my cruise for next summer. Do you know what my options are for removing those guests? Will it decrease my balance? Is there a fee to remove them? Should I wait until the cruise gets closer? Any help is appreciated. Hi, Debbie. And since your booking still so many months away and you've only paid a deposit, there should be no penalty to remove your two friends, passengers three and four, from your booking. And I do suggest you do this sooner than later, um, just because you don't want to forget about doing it. Um, some bookings with Carnival uh, do have non-refundable deposits. It probably won't apply. But again, call the cruise line, get everything straightened out. And then later on, if you find two, two more people that want to go, it's easy to add two more people in. So just don't let this slip away and become some, some kind of a situation where you are under penalty. Just take care of it. Yeah, that final payment date is the magic date you want to keep in mind there. So the next question is from Connor. What is the best way to use our $600 onboard credit to maximize the value? Hi, Connor. And those $600 onboard credits are really nice. My first thought, um, and again, I don't know when your cruise is scheduled, but if it's one of the first ones out of the gate, once cruising resumes again, there's a good chance that you might have to uh, purchase a ship's shore excursion in order to go into the port. Some Because right now in Europe, if you don't go with the ship's shore excursion, you can't even leave the ship. So they're pretty pricey. So that might be one way to maximize the value of your onboard credits. Um, if you are able to go ashore on your own, you don't want a shore excursion, um, I would suggest if you're going to use internet, 
on the first day. Buy the biggest and best internet package that you can. Again, it depends where you're cruising, what your um, what your goals are. But there's always a first day promotion, and I always buy the first the best package I can on that first day because it does give you maybe 60 extra minutes, which is, you know, it's not a bad thing. The other thing I always do is I buy a water package. Um, a lot of people, you know, everybody wants to know about Cheers beverage package or what, you know, depends on which cruise line. They all have their own name. I've never purchased that. You really have to, if you want to maximize the value of that 600, make sure that you can actually drink all that is in the package to make it worth your while. Um, you know, maybe there's something in the gift shop that you want that, you know, is less expensive than if you wait to get it back home. But, um, just sort of balance and check the prices. You have to be a good shopper when it comes to using your onboard credits or they just disappear. And you said, I have nothing to show for it. So shore excursions, um, a water package. If you do that internet and even the, um, sometimes you can get a good deal on the first day for the specialty dining packages too, where it's like, you know, you buy two, you get a third for free and that's a good deal. But whatever you do, enjoy that $600 because that's a nice onboard credit. Now, obviously, we can't tell people how to spend their money or when to spend it, Sherry. But mm-hmm. in a case like this, would it be maybe better to wait until you get on board unless you're buying in the drink package? And, of course, you'd buy it ahead of time. Well, and what, what would you do? For me, I would I would wait until I was on board. Um, again, it depends. For example, if you were going up to Alaska, mm-hmm. a lot of the um, helicopter tours and the glacier tours, those will sell out before the ship even sails. So if that's the case, you might want to consider it. But otherwise, I usually just wait until I'm on board and I think about it and you know, I fill out the, the forms if I'm going to get the water or the internet or the specialty dining. And there's all these promos going on on the first day. So yeah. You know, unless there's something you absolutely want to have um, for a shore excursion, um, I would wait till you get on board. Been talking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Talk to you in a few days. Absolutely. Have a good weekend. Fielding our next question is Barbara Foster from SeizeTheMomentsNow.com. Barbara, welcome back. Hey, Doug. Great to be back again. Yeah, our listener question today comes from Julie. Julie wants to know, what's the difference between a travel agent and a personal cruise consultant? Oh, this is such a great question. So a personal cruise consultant works for a specific cruise line. They have intimate knowledge of that line's ships and products and offerings. Um, So they're great. If you're only ever going to just book a cruise on that cruise line, Mm -hmm. a travel advisor can offer so much more. They have access to all of the same offers that a personal cruise consultant has access to, but they also have access to other offers. So there's many times where they have access to group space where you can offer additional amenities or onboard credit. But on top of all of that, and probably most important of all, is a travel advisor has experience. We've been on the ships. We've been in the ports. We've taken the flights. We've taken the Amtrak trains. We've been to these places, we've been in these different types of cabins, types of suites. 
We've experienced all of it. And so when a client reaches out and they have a dream about their vacation and what they want it to be, Mm -hmm. the travel advisor is going to take all that information and craft the right products together to fulfill that dream. They don't just work for a cruise line. They work for the client and they're going to craft together exactly what that client is looking for in such a way that it checks off all the boxes and at the best possible value for that client's dollar. So with a cruise planner who works with Carnival or Royal Caribbean with a cruise line, they're more working in volume then, like they're taking your credit card number, booking your cruise and moving to the next person. So there's not much attention to detail. That's correct. There's not as much, you know, they're an employee Mm -hmm. and they have to abide by the requirements and the structure of their employer. And so I'm sure that there are time limits set. They, you know, they need to meet certain benchmarks. Travel advisors, we typically work for ourselves. We are our own rule makers. And as a general rule, our rule is you take care of each client as they come. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot more personal focus. So furthermore, then, like, and I'm just curious because I use my city card a lot when I buy or I did when I bought concert tickets to different shows and using my city card, I would always get upgrades. Are there any kind of programs like that in the travel space? Actually, yes, there are. There are different ones. Different agents will have access to. Uh, For instance, I have access to one that is for card holders who hold a Platinum or Centurion Amex card. It has to be a direct Amex card. Can't be a Delta Sky Miles or anything like that. It has to be, you know, no co-branding. But for clients who book certain cruise lines, with me or with agents who have access to these programs, um, simply by using your Amex Platinum or Amex Centurion, you qualify for onboard credit and in some cases uh, hefty amounts of onboard credit. And in some cases on top of that, there are dinners at high-end restaurants on this ship. Um, So there's options out there that only a travel advisor will have access to and only Some travel advisors will have access to some of these programs. Okay, so to make this clear then, like if I was using a cruise consultant with a cruise line and said, hey, I have an American Express Centurion card, what can you do? Chances are there might not be anything. There will be nothing that that personal cruise consultant can do because the cruise lines themselves don't have access to these specific programs. These are programs that come typically through our consortias, Mm -hmm. um, various partnerships at very high corporate levels. Very good information, Barbara. And I'm glad I selfishly asked that question about the credit card because, you know, when I do get concert tickets, you know, back when it was a thing with City, I would get upgraded club seats or whatever. So even better using it with a cruise purchase. So very cool. About maximizing your cards, you know, all Mm -hmm. the cards have so many benefits built in these days. I know I love my Amex perks. I love to be able to go into the lounges when I'm in the airport. You know, these perks are great. And the more you use them, uh, the, the greater the value that card has. We've been talking with Barbara Foster from SeizeTheMomentsNow.com. Barbara, thank you so much for coming on and answering these couple of questions. I really appreciate it. 
Doug, it has been my pleasure. Always a delight. We always enjoy when staff writer Richard Sims puts down the bottle of vodka to come join us around the microphone to answer a listener question or two. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. And I'll have you know tonight, it is not vodka, it's tequila. Okay. Today's question comes from Joe. And since you're in the New York City area, you will know the answer to this one, I hope. And so does Joe. What is the best time to arrive at the Manhattan Cruise Terminal? Our flight gets in really early. And during current times, we really don't want to dilly-dally around New York City. Will we even be allowed in the terminal if we arrive before our embarkation appointment? Well, that's a really good question, Joe. And if you had asked it about six months ago, I would have known, you know, the whole answer. And I probably could have broken it down by cruise line, the whole deal. But as you mentioned, we are in sort of a wonky time. So right now, it's a little bit hard to say. It's one thing that we pretty much know is that cruise lines are going to do everything they can to minimize the amount of time you're in the terminal. Because if you think about it, in the terminal is one of those times when people are sort of all jam-packed on top of each other, whether it's in line or going through security or in the waiting area after that. So in order to minimize your time, they are going to assign you a time. I suspect that what will eventually end up happening is sort of like Carnival's Faster to the Fun, where if you want to buy an earlier time, you might be able to. But that's just me sort of theorizing right now as a way they can make money. One thing that I'm pretty sure will happen is you will have an assigned time. I don't think they will allow you to enter the terminal early, although that raises a good question of what do they do if you do arrive early? Carnival for a while was um, one of the first lines that was doing sort of staggered embarkation times. And if you got to the terminal early, they had kind of a corral, like a almost like a naughty corral where you were sent and you had to hang out there until it was actually your time to board. So, you know, I was one of those people who always got to the terminal as early as possible. I would sit there and watch the crowds. I didn't care. I just wanted to get a low embarkation number and get on that ship. I don't think we're going to be allowed to do that anymore. Now, how they'll prevent you from doing it, you know, what they will do if you actually get there. We're going to need some people to actually, we're going to need the cruises to actually start sailing and have a few people go out of, whether it's Midtown Manhattan or Bayonne, New Jersey, or, you know, Miami anywhere else, we're going to be like the rest of you sort of listening to the reports and trying to figure out what exactly, you know, procedures they're going to use when it comes to processing people through the terminal and getting them on the ship. And if he doesn't want to dilly dally around Manhattan, there's places like up and down the West Side Highway that's outdoors and plenty of space, correct? Plenty of places. Um, you know, you know, one of the other things is, you know, we always say, it's not a bad idea if you're flying in to get in a day early. So if you have a hotel and if you're comfortable staying in a hotel, you know, you can get to that hotel and, you know, you might be able to call down to the front desk and be like, listen, we're not actually embarking until two. Would it be OK if we check out a little bit later than we normally would? That kind of thing. Um, you know, I like I said, I think it's really going to come down to keeping an eye on, you know, what you see on message boards. Doug will certainly be interviewing people who out of those first ships and will get a better idea based on their actual experience of how things are being handled in the terminal. It's like you said, six months ago, this was an entirely different ball game, and You could tell Joe exactly what to do and when to get on the ship the quickest. But now it's like the Wild West. 
Exactly. I mean, I've sailed out of New York. I've sailed out of Bayonne. Those are my my two home ports. I've sailed out of both of them numerous times. And, you know, there are ways around it. And and we did know. We know, you know, we've done Carnival. I've done Norwegian. I've done Royal. So for all of the big lines, I knew exactly what the rules were. But now, who knows? As we say, we're going to have to stay tuned. Richard, thanks again for coming on, buddy. Hey, glad to be here. And that'll do it for this weekend's episode of Cruise Radio Rewind. Don't forget we have the daily Cruise Radio news briefs found just opposite of this channel. You can find that by typing in Cruise Radio News, where you consume your favorite podcast. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day. Protect yourself and your neighbors. Stay safe and take care. During these difficult times for the travel industry, Cruise Radio stands behind the men and women who work so hard to bring our vacation dreams to life. From the captains and crew to travel agents, tour operators, vendors, and port employees, we offer a sincere thank you on behalf of the thousands of guests whose lives you impact each and every day. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.